Welcome to another episode of St. Joseph's Workshop. We invite you to join us today as we take a pause amidst the busyness of Christmas preparations to refocus on experiencing Advent to the fullest and offer ideas on how to kindle the anticipation of waiting for Christ's coming. Welcome to St. Joseph's Workshop, building the church at home, a place where faith and family meet. Insight from a priest, a mother, and a whole bunch of others. I'm Emily Lugo. And I'm Father Stephen Ingram. Join us as we enter St. Joseph's Workshop. You know, this topic of Advent is a really interesting one because it's it's this time where we're preparing for Christmas. We've got so many parties that we're looking forward to. We're looking forward to so many celebrations, and we want to get some of those celebrations before people travel and we can't celebrate with them anymore. And... A lot of times that leads to this Advent season being one of the busiest times of the year, and not just in our social lives, but also in our liturgical lives, because we've got some pretty big feasts as we're coming up preparing for Christmas. We've got the Immaculate Conception. We've got St. Nicholas. We've got Our Lady of Guadalupe and San Juan Diego. We've got so many different things going on that it's easy for us to get so focused on the piece by piece by piece that Advent just flies by and we don't really spend a lot of time in that waiting for the coming of Christ. And I think it's it's good for us, you know, as this episode's airing in the middle of Advent, as we're just a few weeks away from Christmas, to reflect on how we actually spend some time waiting for the Lord to come, rather than just doing all these things as he is coming. Yeah, I was definitely um, reflecting on that myself. Um, You know, even we talked at our our last podcast episode about living liturgically, and even the best intention ideas on what to do sometimes can just leave you overwhelmed because there's so much going on in the season. And you mentioned it, maybe even, you know, maybe our listeners are doing really good at not being overtaken by, you know, society's pushing of the consumeristic aspect of Christmas, maybe they're really, you know, going to church, participating in the liturgies, trying to live it liturgically, but yet there's so much. And even travel, trying to visit family and be with loved ones has so many things that you have to do to prepare for that it is really hard to just wait and pause and reflect against and amidst the busyness of life. Um, And this is something that, you know, I've been trying to do recently, but I thought maybe we can break open this topic of what it looks like to pause in the midst of the busyness um, and reflect on Christ. And I think that all starts really with maybe breaking open what is the incarnation? What does that even mean to us? Um, And why is that something that should just strike wonder and awe in our lives and in our hearts? So maybe, Father Stephen, you can start us and kind of talk about what that means um, and the implication of that for us. Yeah. You know, the the incarnation is you know, the, the word itself will tell you what it means if you know a little bit of those Latin roots. And I think for our Spanish speakers, carne is a very familiar word. It means meat or flesh. And it's that moment when God took on human flesh. He became one of us in the flesh. And that leads to a great amount of reflection from theologians through the ages on why that was important. Because, you know, God can save us in a myriad of different ways. 
and yet he chose to take on our flesh. What does that mean for us? And, you know, as we're looking forward to Christmas, the whole Christmas season is kind of a meditation on that incarnation of Jesus, that the second person of the Holy Trinity became fully human and remained fully God. And how that happened is a little bit baffling. It's mysterious. But the implications of that go even further. Because there were a lot of challenges to that idea that Jesus really was either fully God or fully man in the early church. Because it's it's really confusing when you think about it. How can a single person be both fully human and fully God, fully divine? How can a single person be both at the same time? And as we've struggled to try and figure it out, we've gotten into a lot of troublesome areas. We've made some mistakes along the way. And in the early church, there were a number of groups that said, well, you know, maybe Jesus wasn't fully divine. He was a human being who was the best of the human beings and was blessed by God so that he could remain free from sin and offer himself as a sacrifice to God on behalf of the rest of humanity. But he really wasn't fully divine. And the problem with that is if he's not divine, then as just one human being, his sacrifice on the cross can't possibly pay for the rest of us unless God is doing some weird accounting. <laughs> but on the other side, you know, you you find people saying, well, he was divine, but he wasn't really human. He looked human. He came in our human appearance, but he really wasn't one of us. He was something different. But the problem with that is if he's, you know, doing that, he doesn't make us anything other than what we are, fallen human beings. But by taking on our flesh, he redeems even our flesh. He doesn't just redeem our souls. He redeems the whole of us. It's not just this spiritual change in us, but as a result of the incarnation, it is a spiritual and bodily change that happens in us through his redemption. And so the wonderful mystery that we're meditating on in the Christmas season that's coming and even in the Advent season as it's approaching, as we start looking at the mysteries of what led up to the birth of Christ, and especially, you know, as we remember the Annunciation when he actually took on that flesh in the womb of Mary at his conception, that's a wonderful thing for us to continue to reflect on. What does it mean for me personally that Christ took on my human nature, took on all of the temptations that come with it, all of the weaknesses that come with it, and redeemed them? It's a powerful thing for us to meditate on and reflect on for our lives as we're kind of trying to struggle with it ourselves. And as we're doing that, we also want to be guided by that history of the church, because if we do it solo, it's easy for us to make those same mistakes that people have made throughout history. And so, you know, it, it might be worthwhile to dive into, you know, the reason we have certain elements of the creed in there, you know, saying that Jesus is God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made. That's all the fruit of some of these controversies in the early church. Why we say what we say as we pray at Mass 
is informed by this history of thought in the Catholic Church. And this is an opportunity for us to learn a little more about it so that when we repeat it on Sunday, it means a little more to us. It means a little more about you know, how we are affirming that God really is part of our lives and is at work to save us. Yeah, you know, I think it's something that is central to um, our Christian faith, the the doctrine of the Incarnation. I mean, if you don't believe that um, Jesus Christ, who is fully human, also was fully divine and that he was God, then our faith means nothing. You know, then he's just another Messiah. Um, So it's something that is so central and important to our faith. But I think... um, where we are historically, a lot of times we just take it for granted. We don't really take time to meditate on the mystery. You know, even as you said, he could have, you know, there's this unbridgeable chasm between us and God because of our sinfulness and because of who God is, you know, that we on our own could not have bridged that. Um, And God, he didn't have to take the form of a human being. (laughs) You know, he didn't have to do that for us. Um, But the fact that he did, and in such a humble experience, you know, not even, you know, of um, Mary, who at the time was betrothed to Joseph and just the scandal that, that was. And then the fact that they didn't even have a place to to find in Bethlehem and that they ended up in this manger and that his bed was a trough. Like there's so much um, humility to that, to take time to actually reflect, I think, can really enrich our Advent experience. And there's so much richness in it and the symbolism that I found, um, Father Stephen, as I've been kind of taking some time to look at it. And I just wanted to share some of those things. Um, first of all, I think it's very common for people to have nativity scenes, whether it's a part of a decoration or it's actually a true form of devotion and prayer. Um, but I discovered that St. Francis of Assisi was the one who actually is, I guess, like the founder of the nativity. The, the first nativity was displayed because of him and his request. And he just had this great devotion to the incarnation of Jesus. And some of the things that I learned, you know, obviously we have this I, iconic image of the baby Jesus in a manger and it looks so cute and pretty, but if you have an animal and they have <laughs> a feeding bowl, just think how disgusting it is, you know, how dirty it is. And a manger, you know, a trough is literally where all of the animals went to feed. So I'm sure it wasn't hygienic. It was probably very filthy. Um, and yet that is where Jesus laid as an infant. And it's so symbolic because not only is that, you know, um, a receptacle that fed the animals, but here's Jesus in that, you know, symbolizing that he will feed us. And I actually learned that Bethlehem means house of bread. Mm -hmm. So it even goes even deeper to this, you know, here is Jesus Christ who will be our eternal bread, um, the bread of life. And so I think just taking time to reflect on that image of Jesus and, you know, why did God choose that, the humble um, situation that they did, what does that mean for us? And actually I I, um, found this quote from Dorothy Day that I think is so beautiful and I just want to share with everyone. Um, But she says, I am so glad that Jesus was born in a stable because my soul is so much like a stable. It is so poor and in unsatisfactory condition because of guilt, falsehoods, inadequacies, and sin. Yet I believe if Jesus can be born in a stable, maybe he can also be born in me. And I really love this quote, you know, especially as we talk about preparing the way, um, you know, it, it doesn't have to be you're preparing decorations for Advent. It's really you're preparing that space in your heart um, to make room for God to be born in you. And, um, you know, the most humble of persons, you know, the sinfulness that we have, um, you know, Jesus 
has opportunity to be born there. So that's something that I just really want to encourage people during this time of Advent, especially if you're feeling the pressure of just all of the hustle and the bustle is to take time to really just reflect on that. Um, and, and something else I guess that I want to share is I think that at different points in our lives, um, we have moments, you know, go, well, things that are going on in our lives that affect our spirituality. And I had the blessing to have two of my children, um, be born around that time. Um, one was born in early December and one in January. And so as I had this experience of pregnancy during Advent, I really reflected a lot on just Mary and what she must have been thinking and going through the worries, um, the doubts and the questions, but also the excitement and the anticipation. And I know for me during those times, my Advent experience was very rich, but I know that many people can kind of reflect back on what that was like, whether you were pregnant, whether you were a spouse of someone, whether you have a sibling or a close friend, um, just that anticipation, you know, all of the wonder that goes with it, um, oftentimes the fear and the cleaning, the nesting, the trying to get things ready. That's the same thing that we have to do internally with going to confession and, you know, trying to cleanse ourselves so that we can really prepare a place. So um, I also, that's another one of the tips I want to just offer is just take time to reflect on what that looked like. Yeah, you know, that that busyness of preparation is is a really powerful thing. And it, it brought to mind for me the preparations of Martha and Mary in the Gospels. You know, Martha is doing all the stuff around the house, preparing, you know, and even when Jesus comes, she's still preparing. Yes. And Jesus has to remind her as she gets so overwhelmed by that busyness that, no, Mary's doing what's right. Mary's taking time to be with me, to spend time listening to me. And that's a good reminder for us during this Advent season that in the midst of the preparations, the preparations themselves are good because Martha's also a saint, mm -hmm. but Mary is too. We've got to have both as part of our lives. And so during this Advent season, we really encourage all of you who are listening to try to find those moments of pause in the midst of the busyness. You know, take some time to focus on what it is we're celebrating, what it is we're preparing for more than just the parties, but that spiritual coming of Christ into our lives more and more. You know, there are lots of devotional ways to do that. You know, doing things like the Posadas or the Our Lady of Guadalupe Novena, or even just having an Advent wreath in your home and praying with it every day as you're lighting more candles week by week. You know, there are lots of different devotions that can be very powerful in helping us recognize in the midst of all the busyness that the spiritual realities are still part of our lives. And there's a really powerful one in the last nine days leading up to Christmas that the church celebrates in a particular way. And you might be familiar with these phrases from a particular song um, o Come, O Come, Emmanuel. They're, they're called the O Antiphons, and they are just powerful, powerful ways of reflecting on this process of Jesus coming into the world. And it, what these are, they're the antiphons for the gospel and acclamation that's made during evening prayer and the liturgy of the hours, the prayer of the church throughout the day. Every evening, during these days leading up to Christmas, 
we use these as the antiphons surrounding Mary's Magnificat. As we're praying for our soul magnifying the Lord, we recognize that the coming of the Lord into our lives is the way in which we magnify the Lord's presence. And so the these antiphons really focus on these prophetic titles for who Christ is, what he was going to do as he came into the world. And so we see him you know, starting out as this wisdom from God on high who is coming to guide us and bring us that wisdom that we need to see everything aright. And we want to follow him. The next day, we come in and call him the leader of the house of Israel, who gave the law to Moses, who is going to come to give us the way, the power to overcome sin in our lives. He is not only the leader of the house of Israel for us, but he's the leader of all the people of God, because that's what Israel really signifies, because the people of God goes beyond the people of Israel these days. We reflect on Jesus as the root of the stem of Jesse, which we've heard in some of our Advent readings already on Sunday, and how this is an extension of the kingship of David promised for ages and a sign of how God loves his people as he fulfills all these promises. He's called the key of David which means it's a, a reflection not only on his heritage as a son of David, which we already reflected on as son of Jesse because Jesse was David's father, but it's also a sign of that authority that David had that his father D Jesse didn't have because David was anointed king, not his father. And we see that Jesus is coming in with this same kind of authority to not only bring us earthly authority, but especially to unlock the gates of heaven for us. And so as, as we get closer and closer, the, the titles that we're reflecting on get more and more focused on what Christ is doing in becoming one of us, how he's bringing about salvation for us in this incredible way. And so as we continue through these antiphons, we see Jesus called the radiant dawn, the splendor of eternal light, recognizing that everything comes from our Lord, and yet he's becoming one of us in this time. And as we're lying in the shadow of death, the light of Christ comes into the world. We call him the king of all nations and the keystone of the church, recognizing that all humanity is being gathered together into Christ. And finally, we call him Emmanuel, which if we remember from St. John's gospel, means God with us. And that's the last of these antiphons where we really reflect on the meaning of the incarnation the meaning of Christ becoming one of us, coming into this world in the first place. It's not just that God is with us spiritually, he's with us physically. And we celebrate that especially in the Eucharist as he becomes flesh again in the midst of the Eucharist. And we receive him into ourselves to be Emmanuel, God with each and every one of us. 
And so these antiphons, you know, are, are powerful, powerful reflections. And a lot of times we kind of gloss over them because we sing them in a Christmas carol. We sing them or an Advent carol because it's still in anticipation of Christmas. But a lot of times we don't take time to reflect on the songs that we sing in the midst of our prayer because we know them. We kind of go on autopilot. Sometimes we do the same thing with the readings we hear because, oh, I know that one. But when we take the time to pause and reflect on what it is we're actually saying, what it is we're actually praying, it gives us an opportunity to really engage with it more, to let it affect our hearts more deeply, our lives more impressively, so that we can more and more reflect the fact that God is with us in Christ. Um, Father Stephen, I have a question for you. <clears throat> Do you find it hard to pause in the midst of everything that's going on? Yes and no. Um, there's always a temptation to you know, say, no, I, I don't need to take that time. There are more important things. But one of the beautiful things that I've learned over many years of focusing on my spiritual life in seminary and in the priesthood is that when I neglect that time of pause, I get overwhelmed because I don't have the presence of the Lord with me. And even when it feels like I'm overwhelmed, I really need that time to break and pray. You know, there was a, a powerful, powerful quote from Venerable Fulton Sheen um, that impacted me very, very greatly as I was you know, learning more and more about the spiritual life. He said, when I am too busy to do my daily holy hour, it is then that I need two. <laughs> because when we are busiest, we need the grace of God the most. Because there are things that come that are overwhelming for us, that are impossible for us to manage with everything we've got going on. But when we take the time to reconnect with the Lord and invite his grace into all those things we're busy about, it becomes something that is blessed by God because we're, we've made the, the effort. We've invited the Lord to be present with us. And as we get busier and busier, a lot of times God tends to fall into the background and it's just me meeting all the needs. Yeah, you know, one of the things that, you know, I'll confess that I struggle with for sure is pausing because I like to multitask. Yeah. And I would probably bet that many people who are even listening to this podcast are multitasking right now, whether you're mm -hmm. driving to work, whether you're folding clothes or doing the dishes or maybe even working and, you know, have this in the background. Like, I think it's so common for many of us to just do multiple things at once. And one of the things that I recognize, um, is it's very hard for me to slow down just because of the way my life is with my children, um, you know, the homework balance, like it's just a constant go, go, go. And I recently was trying to use our new um, prayer app that we have for our parish with Hallow. And it was very apparent to me how uncomfortable it was to use it at first because some of the guided meditations are very slow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know, like they start off in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then there's just this pause of silence. 
And I had to glance at my phone a couple times to see if it was still on. And no, it was, you know, it was just, it had this mindful pause to recollect, you know, your thoughts or your Mm -hmm. sins. And, um, I was really struggling with it. And it actually has the option where you can speed up the time. (laughs) But then I felt convicted that if I'm struggling with it so much, maybe that's because that's exactly what I need Mm -hmm. is to really slow down and have time of silence to not just be multitasking and doing one thing while listening to the other, even if I'm, you know, giving it to the Lord, I think there's a time and a place where maybe that's, that's fine. But I also feel like there's a time and a place, especially now, you know, as you said, in the midst of this Advent waiting in preparation, when it's magnified, there's even more going on now in our schedules than normal um, because of the time of the year, because the kids have vacation, you know, maybe you're visiting family, liturgically, the calendar that's going on. There's so much that I think it's going to be very hard for people if they're multitasking to really get into the Advent season. And so I I don't know, maybe it's just me, but if there are other people who have the same, um, you know, I challenge that maybe our Advent pause with all of these different ideas we're, we're offering, it's so easy to do it while you're doing something else. But maybe what God really needs right now is for our undivided time and attention to be that Mary, to sit down at his feet um, and be able to focus on him. Um, so that's one of the things, that's why I was asking you if... <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, it's it's something that that's really interesting when it comes to multitasking because, you know, it, it's easy for us to, you know, kind of focus on the idea that you know, well, God's with me all the time. Why do I need to take time to pray? You know, St. Paul says, pray always. And, you know, there's, you know, some some very valuable reflections from spiritual masters on how we integrate the Lord into everything that we're doing so that everything becomes a prayer because we're doing everything with God. But in order to get to that point, you've got to build up that baseline of a spiritual relationship with the Lord. And that only comes from unitasking because you can only truly multitask well when you're doing something that you really know how to do. You know, I can fold laundry while I'm listening to a podcast or, you know, listening to some beautiful music and enjoy both of them because I know both of them. But the moment I start trying to do something that I'm unfamiliar with that needs more of my attention in order to do well, the more the other thing falls into the background and doesn't get attention. Because to some extent, we can't really split our attention. We split our time in the midst of those things. But when we want to build up that habit to allow us to bring the Lord into everything and make everything a prayer, that means we have to take that time of building up that habit of communicating with the Lord. We have to take that time to connect spiritually when that's the one thing that we're doing so that it becomes easier as we get better and better at that to do other things while we're communicating with the Lord. And so that's really what this Advent pause is about. It's about reconnecting with the Lord so that we better bring his grace into the rest of our lives. Yeah. You know, and I I think it's so important um, for those who have children that, you know, this isn't just something that we as adults need to do, but even for them. I mean, most of my schedule is guided by 
my children's busy extracurricular life. And so they too are in this go, go, go mindset from the moment they wake up and I rush them to school and they're in classes and they come home and, you know, feed them real quick, change your clothes off to soccer. I mean, that's all that they're doing. And so I think it's really important if we want them to be adults who have a strong prayer life and know how to stop and pause and be with God, it needs to start while they're young. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, as you know, we've, we've offered these different ideas, but I, I think it's really important to, as a family, try to have that time, maybe mix up your, your prayer style. If you have a certain thing that you do each night for nightly prayers, you know, maybe this is a time to bring in those O antiphons, you know, whether you're praying the liturgy of the hours or, you know, you're following a guided meditation or, you know, you're singing and, and reflecting and then just having some time for quiet, you know, to reflect on the face of Christ and the infant Jesus. Um, or, you know, if you have a nativity and it has an empty, many people don't even bring out the baby Jesus until Christmas day, you know, looking at, and that would be more appropriate actually with the O antiphons, like the desire in your heart of waiting, waiting for Christ, waiting for him to be there before you can be complete. Um, I think just slowing down, I think that's one of the biggest things that can really help people to really make this season more meaningful. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, kind of returning to the meaning of the incarnation is a powerful thing because, you know, especially when it comes to the busyness of life, but when we look at Christ himself, who became fully one of us, as he went out and did his ministry, as he was busy about healing and preaching, raising the dead, casting out demons, he also took that time to go and pray even though he was fully in communion with his heavenly father in everything that he was doing, he still took that time to focus on praying. And it's not because he couldn't communicate with God in everything that he was doing because he was, because he was God. It was so that we saw that we need to take that time to pray. He was modeling it for us as someone who was fully human that our humanity needs that time to pause and reconnect with God in order to bring his grace into everything else that we do in our lives. Yeah. You know, Father Stephen, I have to ask you, have you um, ever seen any of the episodes of the Chosen series? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, it's we're, fascinating. We're only on season... or uh, Yeah, season two with my family. Um, but I just want to bring that up because, you know, as you take time to kind of reflect on the incarnation of Jesus and how he's truly divine and truly man. Um, that, uh, that show for me is something that's really beautiful to show. You know, you, you can see within him the humanness, but then like the glimmers of, ah, there's God, you know, acting through him or with, you know, in him. Um, it's just so beautiful to see. And just going back to that idea of modeling, how he's modeling, kindness and charity and love and prayer to the disciples who are with him. And, and, and I also love it because, you know, we oftentimes just imagine them as saints, you know, in their perfect holiness, but you get to see the struggles that they have too, as they, you know, are trying to follow him and, you know, dealing with their own struggles, their own sinfulness Mm -hmm. and humanness. Um, so it's such a beautiful way to really grow in that and, and grow in, um, understanding who God is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, a big challenge a lot of times, even if we're doing it well in our own personal lives, is how we do it communally. How do we take that time as a community to pray? You know, whether it be the community of our family, the community of 
our friend group, our social opportunities? Are we bringing those times of pause into the moments we are celebrating with one another, especially as we're getting ready to celebrate one of the great mysteries of the faith, one of the most important things in Christmas, in the Incarnation. Do we take the time to pause in the midst of those celebrations and give thanks to God, invite his grace into the reason, you know, to bring the reason that we're celebrating into the celebration? Uh, because it's easy to just party for party's sake, but we always want to remember why the party's there in the first place. It's because Jesus became one of us. God became man so that we can be like God. You know, you mentioned earlier some of the different um, activities that happen during Advent that people can participate in. And I, you know, I think that's a, those are the good holy parties you can do, you know, having a posada, which is from the Mexican tradition of the reenactment of Joseph and Mary, um, seeking a place uh, of shelter in Bethlehem, being turned away, but finally finding a place that they could seek refuge in, um, for Jesus to be born. And, um, you know, the posadas that I've experienced, there's always that reenactment, the singing, and then the joy and the party, um, of the celebration afterwards. And the, and the same with the novena, you know, coming up mid-December 16th, 17th, many different cultural um, cultures have devotions of novenas where you're praying the rosary and you're reflecting on the coming of Christ. Um, I know m- many people even have like the infant Jesus that they have a special devotion to that they'll have there in the center. And um, actually I've, I went to a rosary once um, novena in Mexico and they had him almost on this platter with all these candies around it. And then each person would take their time to go and, and to um, honor him, like to give him a kiss and then take a candy from him. Like there's so many different ways that we can celebrate, but with him truly at the center. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, so I'm going to suggest something crazy for this episode. You know, normally we last a little bit longer, but I I almost kind of want to end it early so that we can encourage our listeners when it's done to pause and to (laughs) take some time, you know, to reflect on some of these things that we've said. So I don't know about you. I don't know if you have any other thoughts before we wrap up with our tools, but I think that might be kind of fun. You know, I I think it's worthwhile, you know, because a lot of times we're not given the opportunity to pause. We have to find the time. And sometimes, you know, I find in, in my life when somebody doesn't show for an appointment and I suddenly get that free time back, it really is restful. And so I encourage people, you know, if you're usually running between one thing and another, take some time for a pause. Yes, I agree. And enjoy it. Yep. Well, so with that, let's just go to our tools. And I think what you said right now, that should be tool number one is practice a holy pause. So if you're given those moments, take time to just stop, to not multitask and just take some time to truly just focus on Jesus and meditate on the beautiful miracle that it was that he came um to be man for our sake. Mm-hmm. And then number two, one of the other tools that I don't think we mentioned, um, but we talk a lot about just taking time to reflect on baby Jesus. But I actually think if you have a family, pull out those baby pictures with your children and take some time looking on them and remembering and recalling with the joy of what it was like when they were a baby, but then turn it to them and ask them, let's imagine what baby Jesus was like. What do you think he was with his mother and with, with Joseph and with Mary and um, just take time so that they can really remember what it is that he is truly the gift that this season is all about. Mm-hmm. And father Stephen, do you have any tools to add on? 
Yeah, I, I think a, a really powerful one is actually using the nativity scene for its intended purpose. Because a lot of times it, we think of it as a beautiful decoration that reminds us of the season of Christmas. Mm-hmm. But all art in our Catholic tradition is meant for us to reflect on what God has done and is doing. And the nativity scene is an opportunity for us to remember the gospel message in visual form. And I really encourage you, as you're putting up your manger, reflect on why the shepherds are there, why the kings are on the way, why Mary and Joseph are there as they're preparing for the coming of this newborn child who will be the king of kings and lord of lords. Just take some time in quiet prayer with the manger scene as a focus because that helps us to reflect on how we are inspired by those who have gone before us in preparing for the coming of Christ. So as we end this podcast, as we end this episode, we of course want to ask for the intercession of our patron, St. Joseph. So let us begin this prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Joseph. Pray for us. Head of the Holy Family. Pray for us. Glory of family life. Pray for us. Cornerstone of families. Pray for us. Protector of Holy Church. Pray for us. O God, who in your inexpressible providence were pleased to choose St. Joseph as spouse of your most holy mother, grant, we pray, that we who revere him as our protector on earth may be worthy of his heavenly intercession, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down on you and remain with you forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of St. Joseph's Workshop. Remember, we are all a work in progress, so be sure to tune in next time to gain new tools to help you build the church at home.